This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Often when we hear terms like human trafficking, scenes from Hollywood films like Taken come to mind. But that's not the only reality. We're not seeing young girls being kidnapped off the streets of West Virginia and being shipped overseas. Uh, Unfortunately, the crime's happening right here in our backyard. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. A federal grant will support a high-tech manufacturing facility and bring jobs to the northern panhandle. Curtis Tate has more. The U.S. Department of Energy awarded Boston Metals a $50 million grant to build a chromium plant in Weirton, one of seven sites nationwide selected as part of the Advanced Energy Manufacturing and Recycling Program. The factory, which will employ 200 workers, will produce ultra-pure chromium and high-temperature alloys needed across various clean energy technologies. The department awarded a total of $275 million to West Virginia and six other states. The investment is part of the $1 trillion Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, a 2021 law pushed by U.S. Senators Joe Manchin and Shelley Moore Capito. President Joe Biden signed the bill into law two years ago this month. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Mountaineer Gas says it has restored 100% of gas lines. However, many Charleston residents are still without heat and hot water. Brianna Heaney has the story. When water infiltrated the gas lines on November 10th, it damaged home appliances like water heaters, furnaces, and stoves. Margaret Marr has been without heat for 18 days and was without hot water until two days ago. Her floors are ice cold, and she wears an overcoat around the house. You hear about on the news, oh, the, you know, 1,100 people are all set now, their heat's on. No, we, no, our heat is not on. It makes me angry when I see that on the news. We're still suffering over here. The Charleston City Council asked the Public Service Commission last week to reject or delay a proposed rate increase for West Virginia American Water and Mountaineer Gas. The Public Service Commission has also opened an investigation into the gas outage. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. New federal law enforcement grants will help communities in the southern part of the state better deal with mental health issues and dementia walkaways. Randy Yoey has more. In Huntington, nearly $2 million will enhance programs to reduce criminal recidivism among those with mental illness. One program will help reduce the injury and death of missing individuals with dementia by using locative technology to prevent wandering emergencies. Some of the money will be used to add mental health professionals to police crisis intervention teams. Huntington Police Chief Phil Watkins says it is vital to know how to deal with substance abuse disorders, mental health issues, and often the combination of both. The more information that our officers have, the better trained they are so that they can identify the, the, uh, the difference in, in behaviors and in, in what they're dealing with. Several southern West Virginia communities received grants. Find that listing on our website, wvpublic.org. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Huntington. School mental health professionals from across the state will have a chance to train in Charleston this week. Chris Schultz has more. The Student Support Conference provides a forum for school counselors, school social workers, and other community partners. They will be able to strengthen communication and resources within the statewide student mental health and well-being network. 
Stephanie Hayes is a coordinator for school counseling and student support for the West Virginia Department of Education. She says student mental health issues continue to rise because of the ongoing opioid epidemic in the state and recovery from the global COVID-19 pandemic. So we're seeing a lot of students who are struggling with depression and anxiety, as well as some behavior issues. We're doing what we can to support our students. He says students' growing needs are complicated by a shortage of mental health professionals in the state. The conference is a chance to support the professionals who are working in schools. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. During the second meeting of the West Virginia First Foundation Board, members approved motions to continue the establishment of the organization. Emily Rice has more. The organization responsible for disseminating 72.5% of the state's opioid settlement funds met Monday to discuss the publication of a website for the foundation. The website will allow the board to publish requests for proposals, or RFPs, for banking and accounting services, as well as an investment advisor. The board moved to allow 45 days for responses to the RFPs and approved a motion to partner the executive committee with board member and Parkersburg Mayor Tom Joyce to assist the committee in approving a final proposal. But how often does a new private foundation stand up with hundreds of millions of dollars in the state of West Virginia? So I think I think we'll get plenty of adequate response. The board also moved to have the executive committee negotiate the hire of a potential executive director. The treasurer of the board, Jeff Sandy, reported the money already placed in Huntington Bank accounts is accruing interest and now totals nearly $218 million. The board again went into executive session to discuss the foundation's meeting and transparency policy. There were no actionable items from the executive session. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 750. Becoming mostly sunny today, highs in the 30s and 40s, mostly clear tonight with lows in the 20s, and sunny tomorrow with highs in the 40s and 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by Sinesta Suites in Charleston, an extended stay hotel located near the airport, downtown, and the state capitol. More at Sinesta.com. There's a chance that human trafficking is going on right beneath our noses, but most of us don't know what to look for. In yesterday's story, News Director Eric Douglas looked into human trafficking in the Mountain State. In the second story of this three-part series, he speaks with law enforcement experts about how to spot human trafficking and the ways it is being investigated.
A warning, there is no explicit language in this reporting, but some of the topics may be difficult for some listeners. It is probable that many of us have encountered a person who is being trafficked, and we just didn't realize it. That's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing young girls being kidnapped off the streets of West Virginia and being shipped overseas. Uh, unfortunately, the crime's happening right here in our backyard. That was William Thompson. He's the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of West Virginia. He says teachers, faith, and other group leaders can be on the lookout for young people caught up in human trafficking. One is watch for absences, like on Fridays and Mondays, for like long weekends. Uh, also watch for all of a sudden a person comes in with a new expensive phone or toy or, or something that doesn't quite fit. Um, to watch uh, tattoos. Uh, unfortunately, mm. some uh, human traffickers want to use tattoos as a way of keeping track, for lack of a better term. Look for them to have a a person to have a significantly older boyfriend or female companion. Someone, it just doesn't make sense. Thompson said the weekend absences may mean the young people may be taken elsewhere for sex work. We're, because of our location, if you think about it, you know, six to eight hours in a car, you can be within probably 50 percent of the United States population. We're not that far from a lot of major metropolitan areas. Right. So a lot of them are being used on the weekends where they're being trafficked uh, to and from, you know, Columbus, Detroit, New York, some of the same places where we get illegal other bad things coming <laughs> to us. William Elenfeld is Thompson's counterpart. He is the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of the state. He explained that whether it is labor trafficking or sex trafficking, victims are isolated from anyone who can help. I mean, basically they're cut off from communication with anyone that might be able to, to help them. Um, so they're not necessarily being moved from place to place when it comes to labor trafficking, although that's possible. Um, and then, you know, with sex trafficking, um, it's... Uh, situations where, and as you said, the police officers might think it was just a prostitution ring, but in many instances, the um, the, the females who are involved um, are victims, and they are being forced to engage in this, this type of activity uh, by the, the person who uh, is, is in control of the situation. According to Elenfeld, often these are vulnerable people. They might be a runaway. They may have suffered some sort of trauma in their life, or they might have a substance abuse problem. And it is often a member of the family committing the crime. It's not something that is always obvious. Uh, I've heard it referred to as an invisible crime because it's very difficult to, to see. Uh, and But that's where trainings come in. Um, I, I think all new officers should be trained in how to identify human trafficking. There are various in-person seminars and resources of information on places like the Handle with Care WV website that provide information on what to look for. One way law enforcement becomes aware of the problem is when traffickers begin exchanging images or electronic messages. The reason that we came on to the case that I mentioned a few minutes ago uh, was because of images that were being exchanged between the uh, the mother of our victim and the uh, another person involved in the conspiracy. Uh, that that that's you know they were sending explicit images over the internet uh, and, and they were identified through um, 
various platforms as being pornographic and and that's how we were able to begin to look into this person who was involved in uh, illicit sexual activity with minors. Because of the nature of these crimes, the West Virginia Fusion Center, a data clearinghouse for law enforcement, has set up a human trafficking program. Samantha Dowles is the human trafficking intelligence analyst for the Fusion Center. So I use different softwares and resources available to me at the Fusion Center to look through different platforms, look through different areas that traffickers may be utilizing to exploit their victims. And through that, I will look for red flags and different things that may lead me to believe that they are a potential victim or a potential trafficker. Dials has a master's degree in criminal justice. She says she compiles the information and presents what she finds to Homeland Security. So when I do find a potential victim or a potential trafficker, we are very closely partnered with Homeland Security Investigations in West Virginia. So I will put together a lead is what we call it, and it's a report. And I will take that information that I can gather and send that to Homeland Security Investigations here in Charleston. And we kind of put our heads together and they will open a case on whatever information I found if they find that viable. There are state and federal statutes against human trafficking, but often it falls to the U.S. attorneys to prosecute it. For Thompson, that's a good thing. We have the resources more so at the federal level. Uh, you know, I come from the state level. I was a former state court judge for 15 years. I have saw a lot of it. Uh, and some of it is prosecuted at the state level. We have the resources, um, and our sentences are harsher on the federal level. So if, uh, and this is one where I'm very glad they're harsher on the federal level, that it's good for us to get involved if we can. Like most crimes, prosecution of human trafficking can take a long time. It may be hard to find evidence, and witnesses and victims may be reluctant to come forward to testify. It takes a team effort of investigators, prosecutors, and victim support staff to bring it all together. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Eric Douglas in Charleston. In the final installment of this series tomorrow, we'll hear a victim of human trafficking discuss how it affected her life and what it has meant to her to come forward and see her abusers sent to jail. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.